0: Welcome to the Elevate Life Podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.live. Enjoy the message. Come on, everybody. Let's go. Let's go! so glad you're here, and if you're a guest with us, go ahead and stand with us. We make some declarations, and we're not clapping for me, we're clapping for God, we're in His house, and good things are about to happen. So by the way, clapping didn't start with golf. (laughs) Clapping didn't start with football, clapping didn't start with basketball or any other sport. Clapping started as a form of worship, and when we clap, this is earth, this is heaven, heaven coming to earth. This is natural. This is supernatural. God's super coming into my natural. That's what, that's what clapping originally meant. What it meant was this is impossible because it's, it's impossible for me. But The Bible says with God, nothing is impossible. And when I clap, it's like God's possibility is coming into my impossibility. So let's clap one more time for the glory of God. Amen. He's bringing his super into your natural put your hand over your heart and let's make some declarations today and um, we speak from our heart and you know your life follows your mouth. A lot of people never realize that. They never realize that death and life are in the power of your tongue. The Bible says that they that love it shall eat thereof. The Bible says out of the abundance of your heart your mouth speaks. The Bible says that there's good trees and there's bad trees, talking about people, and it's based on what comes out of their mouth. So we start every service by making declarations and not just saying with our mouth, but out of the abundance of our heart, meaning what we say. So let's say this together. I declare that I'm created in the image of God. I am blessed to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and take dominion. I declare that 2022 is my year of promise for me, my family, my finances, and my future. Put an amen on that. Amen. I declare that according to 2 Corinthians 1:20, that all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him amen. So give me a big yes and amen. Yes. Today, I open up my mind to receive the promises of God so I can think like God, be like God, and do life the way God intended for me to live. Let's lift up our hands, say this with me. Come, Holy Spirit, help me elevate my thinking so I can elevate my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, would you, would you just tell somebody they're looking good, you're glad they're here, give them a hug or a elbow bump or something, all right? so glad you're here it's really an honor to have you thank you for watching all over america and around the world heather in oregon scott in utah tammy in colorado there's watch parties going on in orlando florida right now 112 people have gathered together to be a part of our service in orlando florida just to be a part so thank you so much for watching literally hundreds and thousands of people all across america in different parts of the world and thank you for being here live and for braving the weather to be here. <laughs> Pastor Sheila and I just flew back from Colorado where there was a foot of snow that just happened in just a few hours overnight. And we come back to the glory of Texas. And we have a, like a little bit of cold and everything shuts down. Ooh, there's going to be a little ice on the streets. Don't go to work. You might kill yourself. And, uh, you know, all the schools are closed because it went sub 30. Anyway, so so whatever you had to do to get here and weather your own storm, thank you so much. Uh, Texas finds a way just to do whatever we want, and the weather's a good excuse. So welcome to the Lone Star State. I'm a proud Texan leading the way in America. Anyway, so glad you're here. Hey, just a little family talk before I get into my message today. Uh, This is Promise the Dream Weekend. For those of you who don't know what that means, beginning this month, the first weekend of every month, we're all gonna give over and above. And everybody said, amen. Not just your tithes, but your offerings. And I wanna encourage you to do that. I wanna encourage you to, 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 to be a person that makes generosity one of your superpowers. And that's because the Bible says in Proverbs 11, verse 24 through 25 in the Message Bible, that the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Those that bless others will be blessed themselves. When we are generous, we're the most like God. And for those of you that don't know much about our church, I just thought I'd do something today just right up front. Um, And again, none of my pastor friends would do this because, you know, you've always got guests and they would say, man, you're gonna start talking about money just right from the top. We don't talk about money, we talk about giving. We talk about what a privilege it is to be like God and to to, to be a good stewards of what God's given us to advance his kingdom, his mindset, his purposes in the earth. And for those of you who don't know, I just want to show you a quick picture. Because you might say, man, this is a big church. In fact, uh, when we were building this church, we were the largest building project in America in, in terms of churches. I wanted to put on the top bigmoneychurch.com just for people that would criticize. And uh, so when they would fly over, oh, that's that church. All they want is your money. And uh, so, so I just want to explain something to you, a couple of things. I want you to see this. Um, and we'll come back to the QR code in a minute and get your get your. Your phone's out in a minute because I want you to get that QR code. But I want you to see what we do with our money here. I think this is important. And especially those of you that are new with us. Um, General and administrative. I want you to notice the blue pie for a minute. The general and administrative expenses of this church are only 16% of our budget. To put that in perspective, every church in America that I know of is between 35 and 65% in that area. We operate a tight ship, a lean ship, and we handle God's money well, and you can know that. So here's what I wanna tell you. 10% goes to missions and outreach, just like we we obey God, just like we want you to obey God in your tithes and offerings, and that's a 10th, that's 10%. Uh, 10% are for buildings and grounds. Now, let me explain this to you. We have 168,000 square feet. Can you imagine what the electric bill is on this place? Think about your own house. Think about what, it's, what it takes to, to keep up this facility, to keep up all that we do from the parking lots to everything that we do. And then I want you to look at that number. To run this place, 10%. 64% of the money that comes in is for the advancing of God's kingdom. That's what you can know. That's what you can know. And again, you have to understand, most churches, that 64% is to keep the lights on, to keep things happening around there, to make sure things are taken care of. And the reason I share this with you is because this is intentional, this is strategic. When I founded this church 22 years ago, my heart was to be a good steward of what God had, had given me to start and to oversee along with our corporate board, and that's, that's what we do. And I want you to understand this, but also understand this. Most churches, the 64% is the GNA. It's not ministry. It's not. So with all due respect, really hear my heart now. Whether you give or not, we're going to have church here. Whether you give or not, that seat you're sitting in, somebody paid for it. Whether you give or not, somebody paid for that parking lot that you just freely pulled into. Whether you give or not, those toilets are going to work. And by the way, you're going to walk in those bathrooms. They're going to be some of the nicest restrooms you've ever walked in before. You know why? Because I grew up in churches where it seemed like the least amount of money was what they put in the bathroom. I want people to go in the bathroom and have a good experience. The toilets are going to work. It's going to look nice. It's going to smell nice. It's going to feel nice. And this place is the house of God, and it will be the nicest building in Frisco, Texas to the glory of God. So I just want you to know that. And oh, by the way, that cost us 10% to make it the nicest place because it's the house of God. So i encourage you, feel good, not only about first fruiting God, but feel good about giving over and above. Here's my challenge to you. Put the QR code up there. I'm going to ask you to take your phones out right now. Everybody do this, whether you decide to give or not, everybody do this. But, but get the QR code because I'm gonna ask you between now and March 31st to make a pledge. A pledge towards what? A pledge towards just giving over and above. A pledge that'll say, you know what? I wanna to continue to advance God's kingdom. I don't just want my life and my money to be about my four and no more. My house, get all I can, can all I get and sit on the can. I want my life to be lived with a transcendent cause. And my hope is that you'll beat me in giving. Because the truth is, I'm gonna give you a report on March 31st, I'll probably be the number one giver in the church. Not many pastors can say that. Now let me tell you why, not because of what you pay me but because of what I make happen in business in my life through my coaching and masterminds and all the things that I do. So I'm saying that to you not to pat myself on the back, I'm saying that to you, I wanna challenge you because I'm one of you, I'm actually living this. One of my superpowers is generosity. I believe that God has called us to be like him and to advance his kingdom generously. And what I've discovered in my own life is that God has opened the windows of heaven over me and poured out blessings that I cannot contain, and it continues to happen. And guess what, he'll do the same for you, amen? So consider putting God first, first of all, but also consider making a pledge between now and March 1st, just to give over and above, just to advance God's kingdom, just to do more. Uh, Steve, where are you, Steve in this service? I saw him in the front row before. If Steve is over our missions, he's probably smoking a cigarette in the back. If he is, Steve, finish your cigarette and come back out here. But anyway, seriously, um, I, I I don't know when our next drive is. Do you know, Josh, when our next um, food drive is? Is it? Oh, not a food drive, it's, a it's a serve day. Did y'all talk about serve day already? Yes. Did y'all talk about it? Yes. February 19th. Yeah, February 19th, serve day. In case they didn't talk about it, there you go. But anyway, let's all give. This is how we give around here. I want to encourage you again. Let's, let's all say, hey, between now and, and, and March 31st, here's what we're gonna do over and above to advance God's kingdom. Then we'll do April through June. Then we'll do July through September, October, and then October through the rest of the year. So, so we're all gonna give over and above this year. And guess what? We're gonna have an over and above year. How many of you wanna have an over and above year? Come on, come on. Let's do that, all right? So thank you for that. This, they, they put it, this is the way you can give you if you... If you haven't already given online, you can, uh, we have giving boxes around here and there's just all kinds of ways to give. So thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being here. And if you're a guest with us, this isn't for you. We're just having a little family talk. Now the rest of it's for you, okay? All right. So we're in our year of promise. Everybody put a yes and amen on that. And uh, our core scripture that we've already spoken over ourselves, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20, for all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. This is what I want you to understand. 31,137 scriptures. Is that right, David? Where's David? I want to make sure I've got my number right. All my guys, I don't know where, they're, they're all in a circle smoking a cigarette or something. I don't know where all my pastors are. But anyway... 31,137, I think it is, verses in the Bible, 7,487 promises in the Bible. What that from God to man, what that means is one out of every four verses in the Bible points to, infers, or is a part of the promises of God for our life. In this year of promise, um, I just believe that God really wanted me to highlight this and help us to understand not only what the promises of God are about, but why God makes promises, what promises mean in the Bible, because all, all the promises of God, not some of them, but all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him are amen to the glory of God through us. And so it's important for us to understand that. So a promise, it's funny, this week a uh, little Pastor Precious, Pastor Sheila said to me, she goes, Hey, I think it would be good if you uh, talked again about the definition, the biblical definition of a promise. And so I didn't do what Joel Osteen would have done. Uh, he would have said, I think it'd be fine if we didn't do that. That's what I love about Joel. Some of y'all don't know Joel, but Joel, he never says no to anything. He just, says, I think it'd be fine if we didn't do that. Like, like when, when Pastor Precious tells me something, I've never said that. You know, thank you for that, but I think it'd be fine if we didn't do that. No, never. It's like her voice is second only to God. And so when she said that, I go, I sure will. I sure will, Pastor Precious. So this is for her and this is for you. Promise in the Bible. Here's what it means. A declaration of assurance. Everybody say assurance that one will do a particular thing or that a particular thing will happen. Ground for hope, expectation, or the assurance of eventual success. This is what promise in the Bible means. A legally binding, watch this now, declaration. I find this interesting. Now, when when we think about legally binding, we think about legally binding documents. But in the Bible, it's a legally binding declaration, which we started this service, by the way, by making a legally binding declaration. That's why it's important that you understand the power of your words. A legally binding declaration that gives the person to whom it is made a right to expect or to claim the performance of the forbearance of a specific event. And then in the Greek, here's what the promise means. To announce oneself. Wow. You know that when you make a promise, you're announcing yourself. You're announcing what you do. Now watch this. And based on the promise that you make, you're announcing that out of your repository or out of your reservoir of who you are, you're you're making a promise because you believe you can fulfill that promise. So uh, when my father passed away a few years ago, uh, my brother was there. I have an older brother and younger sister. We were all sitting in a room with my mom and my mom, of course, was upset. So I said, mom, put, put your hands in my hands. And so my brother didn't say it. My sister didn't say it. Now I'm not making any comment about that one way or the other, but out of my repository, out of the, out of the, The reserve of who I am as a person, out of what I'm able to do, I looked at my mom in the eyes and I said, mom, for the rest of your life, you will never have to worry about money again, ever, no matter what happens. Now, can I tell you when a woman has lost her husband, what do you think is the number one thought in a woman's mind? Like, what am I going to do? And so I looked at my mom. And again, that's not a promise my brother made. It's not a promise my sister made. And I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I'm saying that's the same way with you. When you make a promise, it's because you can deliver it. And me making a promise or you making a promise has nothing to do with whether that person can understand, keep, agree with, or even necessarily wants the promise. But here's here's the mistake that we make. We make a mistake because we think when we make a promise that somehow it binds the person to the promise that we've made and we project the expectation of our promise to somebody on somebody else. Is anybody getting what I'm saying? So we stop making promises and we stop keeping promises. Watch this based on what somebody else does or doesn't do, rather than who we are as a person. So when God makes a promise to you, he's making it out of the repository, out of the divine well, if you will, out of his capability to be almighty God, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, and the first and the last. In other words, you can bank or you can take it to the bank, the promises God makes, not because of what you do or don't do, not because of what you know or don't know, but because of who he is. That's what God wants you to know about his promises. By the way, let me just pause for a minute and say, I'm so honored today to have Uh, my cousins, Jerry and Tammy, and my favorite uncle of all time. At 85, my Uncle Ted, the sharpest man in any room, the nicest suits my father ever wore were the suits my uncle gave him. And so, Uncle Ted, would you stand? This is my favorite uncle right here, my Uncle Ted. So glad to have you. He lost his wife, his my, my beautiful aunt, she was the only person in his life that was classier than him and had the clothes in the closet to prove it. But the reality is, is that at whatever stage of our life that we're in, if we hadn't died yet, that's because God hadn't finished with us yet. So I want to say that to you, Uncle Ted. God's not finished with you yet. And there's a reason you're still here In an ideal world, we all want to be. Was it Noah Sparks? Is that his, that wrote the notebook, Nicholas Sparks? That we lay together and we go to heaven together. And it just seems like that's the way it should be. But God is the one who decides when we're born, and he's the one that decides when we die. And until we take our last breath, let's keep on pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Uncle Ted, for being here today. The promises of God are so important because the promises of God are synonymous with the covenants of God. So God makes a covenant with us to love us even when he knows we can't love him back like he's gonna love us. He, He makes a covenant with us to supply all of our needs according to his repository, his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So the promises of God are so important. And I promise you, if you will do these two things, the promises of God are accessed by your faith and they are progressed by your obedience, then the promises of God in 2022 are going to be yours. The promises that you claim, the promises that you believe that are for your family, the promises that you apply your faith towards and your obedience towards. Will, how you doing, Will? Is that a girl you're sitting next to? Man. I don't know, Will's so handsome. And then I saw Will, like he's one of the most beautiful men ever. And then I see this girl sitting next to him. Hi, have we met? I'm Keith. I'm Will's um, spiritual father. And so I just want you to know from a distance, I approve. Uh, So, (laughs) (laughs) you're welcome, Will, Uh, anyway how great is that his mom and dad are sitting right here and brother it's asia beautiful name should she have a good family good we'll talk more okay no but anyway how many of you are fortunate enough to know you're sitting next to your promise come on y'all mine's right there on the front row I have God says I've given you great and precious promises. I've got a precious promise, y'all, sitting right there on the front row. And God's got promises for you that are precious. But the promises of God are accessed by faith. Now listen very carefully. Hebrews 6:12. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Why would the the Word of God tell us this? Because our tendency is to become sluggish. To become sluggish in our marriage, to become sluggish in life when we don't see the results that we want, like to just not give our best. Don't become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith, remember now, what's the difference between belief and faith? I, I can say I believe in God all day long. I can talk about my beliefs all day long. But where my, my belief does not please God, my faith pleases God. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But he is a rewarder. Everybody say rewarder. rewarder. He's a rewarder of those who diligently, who fight through whatever they have to fight through, that seek him. God, I'm going to keep seeking you. Jesus said, ask and you shall seek, seek and you will right. knock and the door will be opened to you. So listen, so, so without faith it's impossible to please God. So what are you asking for? What are you seeking? What doors are you knocking on? He said, asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find. Knocking the doors will be opened unto you. So God says, I want you to understand something. Your faith has got to become so precious to you that you understand that it's your faith that gives you access to the promises of God, not your belief, oh yeah, I believe that. No, my belief becomes faith when I take action. So now watch this, don't be sluggish in taking action. Don't be sluggish in doing what you know to do. The Bible goes on to say this in Galatians, the sixth chapter, don't grow weary in well-doing for in due season, you will reap if you fake not. Come on, put an amen on that. So, so, so why would, why would, why would the Bible say, don't be sluggish and don't grow weary? Because that's, that's our tendency. When we don't see the results, when we don't see the outcomes based on the objectives that we have, when we don't reach our goals, when what we're believing for doesn't happen, then the tendency to say, hey, it's not worth it. In my marriage, it's, 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 there's, there's no reason for me to keep doing this because there's no reciprocation. Watch this now. I didn't make a promise to Sheila and expect her to keep my promise. So this last week, we were on a, a marriage podcast together and uh, with a, a couple in, I think it was Indiana. And they asked us to be on this podcast. So we're talking and they said, hey man, we've heard about the 20th. Now you celebrate her on the 20th. I said, yeah, this month is 542 months. And I told him the story about when she said yes to being my girlfriend on January the 20th, 1976. And I said, as long as we're together, I'm gonna celebrate you on the 20th. And so they said, tell us all about it. So I told him the whole story. And then Sheila said, well, hey, let me just say something. Most of the time, I don't even remember the 20th. She goes, and I'm glad he doesn't expect me to remember him or to remember that And then I looked at them and as the podcast went out, here's what I said. That's because that was a promise I made to you. You didn't make me that promise. You see, what happens is there's something on the inside of each one of you. Really hear this. There's something on on the inside of each one of you that each one of you needs from the other. I'm talking about marriage right now. That there's only a promise that you can make to that person that will help not only make their dreams come true but help them become who God created them to be and you cannot stop being that kind of person that does what you do and does what you've always done because you get sluggish and you grow weary and you're not getting enough back y'all hear all those amens that must be coming from heaven (laughs) I'm giving you a secret so Jermaine Jackson some of y'all just too young to know had one big hit, one big hit, Arthur. You remember it? Do what you do. Do what you did when you did what you did for me. Do what you did when you did what you did to me. Yeah. <sighs> now, hey, now let me ask y'all a question. You know what the tendency is? You stop doing what you did when you did what you did to get the person that chose you over everybody else because you did what you did when you did what you did. <laughs> this is human nature. Human nature is I stop pressing. Human nature is I stop bringing the best to myself. Listen, I wanna to talk to every man here. When you got your eye on a woman, Will, She could be in Asia. She could be in Texas. But when you got your eyes on a woman, guess what you're doing? Every time you're seeing her, you're looking good. You're smelling good. You're acting right. You know, all of a sudden, we get married. Over time, I stopped doing what I did that I did when I did what I did that made her want me more than any of the other billions of men in the world. And the tendency is to get sluggish, to grow weary and not think it's worth it. And I make what God put on the earth as a gift to me. Marriage is supposed to be heaven on earth. It's hell on earth for most people because they stopped doing what they did when they did what they did that made this work. And you know what that means? What that means is we start taking our cues from other people as to how we're gonna be. No, why don't you just be great? And lead the way in your marriage, whether you're a man or a woman, and do what you did when you did what you did that caused that person to say, I love you, I want you, let's do this for life. In other words, the belief when you're standing there and you put a ring on it is I'm promising to you because of the future that I see for us. So the requirement is if I make a promise, I've got to be the one that lives up to the promise that gives this thing that is impossible on earth. A man and a woman who are Completely opposite, that in no way in hell, heaven, or on earth it can work. But as long as one person says, I'm going to do what I did, <laughs> when I did what I did, they caused that person to choose me. Little Precious and I, Will, <laughs> we've been dating for about six years. Her parents thought she could do better. The truth is they were probably right. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, I'm not saying it should be demeaning or anything else. Her mother looked at me one day and said, I think you're a great guy. There's just something better for my daughter. It was after six years. I loved God, I remember telling her mother, I said, I was 20 years old. I said, I love God, I've never tasted alcohol, I don't know what it tastes like. I've never done drugs, I don't cuss out loud. I've lived for God my whole life. I've never had sex with another girl or your daughter after six years. And I really want my life to please God, so I want to ask you a question. What is it that you want for your daughter? She said, I don't know. I just don't want you. Now watch. I want you to really hear me. I told Sheila after that conversation, she said, you know, it wasn't just after that conversation. It was a season of our life. I said... She came to me. and She said, I think I need to date around. I said, that's what you need. But then I did my Pauline thing. Now, some of y'all don't know what Pauline thing is. Pauline is I'm the Pharisee of Pharisees. I'm the Jew of Jews. So I said, let me just tell you, Sheila. I said, I know you've been with me since you were 15. Now we're in our 20s. I said, so I know you don't know that every guy's not like me. So let me tell you how guys are. I said, you're not going to have a guy that just opens your door. In fact, most of them will just walk in front of you. You're not going to have a guy that celebrates you on the 20th of every month, gives you flowers and cards, and it's just not going to happen. I said, I know guys. But I want you to date other guys. That's what I want. You know the reason I wanted her to do that? Because I knew what was in me, and if it wasn't good enough for her, there was going to be some woman that would really enjoy the promises that I could make to her. So she worked it out. (laughs) Some of y'all know the story. I went to my then best friend and I said, you're the best guy I know. We were on a golf course, Uncle Ted. I said, you're the best guy I know and Sheila feels like she needs a date around. So I just want to tell you as my best friend, there's nobody better that I would want her to date than you. That was the same day by the way she said she wanted to date around. I said, so ask her out. He goes, are you serious? I go, yeah, I would. I said, she's the greatest person I know that's a female and you're the greatest person I know that's a male. So maybe God has something for y'all. And, they, and he did, he asked her out that same day. The good thing about my friend is he was so spiritual, Wally. He was so spiritual, I knew I was safe. Wasn't your first date at a spiritual emphasis service? Or y'all went to church or something? Y'all went to a Dave Reaver service. <laughs> I knew I was so safe. It was like, hey, I'd like you to go on this date and let's go to hear Dave Reaver preach. Yes, please go do that. That's gonna, she's going to love that. Anyway, so really hear what I'm saying. The promises of God for you are going to be accessed not by your mama's faith, not by your daddy's faith, not by the church you grew up in. It's by your faith, what you believe that you take action on based on your unique belief. But then it's going to be progressed by your obedience. Here's what Hebrews ten thirty six says, for you have need— Of endurance stop there for a minute the word of God says I have need for endurance so that after you have done the will of God you may receive the promise wait what yeah yeah you're gonna need endurance with your faith and your obedience what's this and do the will of God so that after you've stepped out in faith, after you've believed, after you've taken action, after you've endured and you hadn't quit, God, I'm 75. Yeah, but I'm going to make you great, Abraham. I mean, your best days haven't been lived yet. In fact, I'm not only going to make you great, but I'm going to make everybody around you great. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless those that bless you. In fact, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed because of you. Okay? He turns 85, Uncle Ted. It ain't happening. He turns 95. It ain't happening. As he approaches 100 years of age, he tells God, I might be up to this, but have you seen Sarah? I, I don't know, man. How is it possible? And the same thing the angel told Mary, a young virgin, Mary, with God, nothing is impossible. It doesn't matter what it is. Nothing is impossible. In fact, with God, all Things are possible to them that believe. Nobody can determine what you're believing for. What are you believing for? I love the old church hymn. Don't stop believing. Oh, I know y'all sung that in the church you grew up in. Don't stop. You know what happens to us? We stop believing. Therefore, we stop receiving because we don't access the promises of God by our faith, continuing to take action with endurance, doing the will of God when it doesn't seem to be bringing any results. And God says, after you've done that, you'll need endurance. Don't get sluggish. I had a young man came to me in between services. That's a distance runner. And he said, Pastor Keith, I like i have just never met somebody with so much energy. How do you do it? I said, this is what 62 looks like. That's why. This is what it looks like. You know why? I'm not slowing down. I'm not getting sluggish. I'm going to keep on keeping on. I'm going to keep trying to strive to be the best that I can be. I'm going to just keep on keeping on no matter what. And can I just tell you, that's what God wants. Your fight, your struggle is unique to you. The things that you're going to go through are unique to you. Don't be sluggish. By faith and endurance, keep doing the will of God and you will inherit the Promises that God has for you and for your children. What I want to say to my uncle right now is that his children are gonna draw from wells that they did not dig because of his life. One of the reasons he's still alive is because the blessing and the favor of God that is on his life, I know because I'm under that same blessing because of my mamma who prayed for me, who now the Bible says that we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. What does that mean? Everybody in heaven can't see all the time, but Uncle Uncle Ted, I believe that there's sometimes where God rolls back heaven. He says, hey, look down there. There's There's your grandson. and there's your son and there's your your other grandchildren. Hey, they're all worshiping God today. I believe this might be one of those days where God rolls back heaven and the people that have gone before me, God says, I'll just give you a a glimpse just for a minute because they're going to be up here shortly. They think it's going to be a long time. No, up here is a long time. We're just practicing eternity while we're on earth. So God says, endure, do good. Keep doing the will of God because for generations, they're going to be blessed because you do. Come on, let's believe that. I'm not fighting for me. I'm fighting for him. I'm fighting for my grandchildren. I'm fighting for unborn children. that are coming down line. That's why you need endurance. Not so you will last, but so the blessing of God that's on your life will go from generation to generation to generation. I'm not fighting for me. I'm not enduring for me. I'm not having faith for me. You see, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that many of the heroes of the faith died without receiving their promise. But guess what? We're living in some of that inheritance right now. Isn't that beautiful? So the promises of God are accessed by faith and progressed by obedience. I've got a few more minutes. Are you getting anything out of this? Yeah. I hope this speaks to you. More reasons why God gives promises. Chuck, throw me a water. More reasons. Man, I've been screaming and yelling. It was so funny. Whitney, my daughter, she, uh, after, the, after the first service, she was standing back here leading in worship. And she goes, man, dad, you're sweating and you're hot. I go, Yeah, I was really fired up today. She goes, I know I heard you screaming. That's what my kids say to me all the time. Dad, you really screamed a lot today. I go, that's me. I'm passionate about God. More reasons why God gives promises. And the reason I say more is because the last two weeks I've talked about why God gives promises. But here's more reasons. Listen very carefully now. God gives promises to prove who God is. I didn't tell my mother holding her hands the day my dad died. You'll always have as much money as you want. What I said to her is, you'll never need money. There's a difference. You see, God's promises are are to prove who he is. When you stand at the altar, which, how many of you have been married? Don't be ashamed, raise your hand. Uh, When you stand at the altar, you're promising, not because of necessarily who that person is, that's way down the line. You're promising because of who you are. Here's what I promise to you, based on who I am. So God says, every promise that I have is less based on where you are in your journey and even if you understand it, but these promises speak to you out of who I am. So God gives us promises to prove who he is. So, so let, let me give you a quick promise because we won't get to it today. But I'll just touch on it. Malachi 3. I've always blessed the family of Jacob. But your fathers, they turned from me. They did not honor me. So he says, return to me because you've robbed me. How have we robbed you? The question was asked God in tithes and offerings. He said, your fathers didn't do it. Even no matter how much I blessed them, they didn't do it. But I want you to return to me and don't rob me anymore. How have we robbed you? in putting me first with your finances, the first dollar of every 10, and giving me offerings over and above that because you love me and you honor me. So he goes on to say this, and you've, you've been cursed with a curse. In other words, you're, you're cursing yourself. You're, 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 you don't have God's favor on your life because you're not putting God first in your life. So when you need a miracle, a miracle can't happen. This is the Bible. So the Bible says, God says, prove me in this. It's the only time, Chris, Dr. Chris, in the Bible, it's the only time God says, prove me. He never says it in any other context. But in Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, he says, now that I've said all this Genesis through Malachi, I'm gonna just put an exclamation on this. Prove me in this. In what? In tithes and offerings and put me first in your life and here's the promise. I'm going to open the windows of heaven over your life. I'm going to pour out blessings on you that you cannot contain. And oh, by the way, I'm going to rebuke the devourer on your behalf. Wow. What a promise. What a promise. But yet If I were to have this, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So not enough on that row. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. If I were to have those 10 people stand up, 1.7 of you on that row would truly be putting God first. And we wonder why we don't live under this open heaven. Because again, how are the promises accessed? Y'all tell me, I just preached it. Does anybody know? By your faith, and your obedience and you've got to endure and you've got to keep doing the will of god what's the will of god to put god first not to rob god this is just one of the 7487 promises but yeah we just oh that's old testament Do do you not agree with the old testament you see in the old testament the new testament is revealed and in the new testament the old testament is revealed so the new testament is concealed in the old testament but it's revealed in the new testament Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, he came to fulfill the law. So God gives promises to prove who he is. Now look at this next thing. God, and he says, prove me. But I want you to really get that, like settle that in your mind. I never heard this growing up. Because it's revelation. It's only one time in scripture where God asks you to prove him. Only once. Because he says, watch what I do. I'm going to do something for you you can't do. I'm going to open the windows of heaven over your life. I'm going to pour out blessings on you that you cannot contain. Most people don't even know what that's like. Watch this. Because even as a Christian, they've just been inconsistent. They give sometimes. They give when they feel like it. They, and they think when they're tithing, they're giving. They're not. When you give the first dollar of every 10, you're returning to God what he says is his. That's why you're robbing him if you don't do it. Now, we've already taken the offering, so I'm not saying this to take an offering. I'm saying this to teach you so that you get it. Because if you're going to get the promises of God activated in your life, you're going to have to apply your faith and your obedience and continue to endure and do the will of God. Somebody put an amen on that. But it's also to prove who you can be with God and then to prove what God can do in you and through your life. So, so let me tell you what happens to most of us. We have stuff that happens. There's, 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 there's controllables and there's uncontrollables, right? You hear me talk about this a lot. There's controllables and there's uncontrollables. Too oftentimes we allow what we cannot control out here to affect what we can control in here. That's why the Bible says a person that doesn't rule their own spirit is like a city with its walls torn down. And so the devil's going to tempt you, watch this, here's how he's going to tempt you, to allow what you see and allow what's happening out here to influence what's happening in here. So that you live outside in and the things on the outside influence the things on the inside. But God says, I didn't create you that way. I created you to live from the inside out so that you're not subject to what happens out here because you can't control everything that happens out here. But listen to me, you can control everything that happens in here. Yeah, but you don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. They abused me, they left me. They, you, don't, you don't know what happened. And all of a sudden people live broken, they live unhealthy, they live dysfunctional. Why? Because you don't understand this principle that God gives his promises to prove what he can do. Watch this now, not outside you, But inside you, greater is he that's in me, somebody help me, than he that's in this world. Greater is he on the inside of me than what's happening on the outside of me. Greater on the inside what God has done for me than what somebody on the outside has done to me. So watch this, God wants to prove what God can do in you so that he can do things through you. So he gives us these great and precious promises for this reason. I'm almost through. Y'all give me a few minutes. You good? Thank you. I want you to get this. If you're getting this, say, I'm getting this. Is this helping you? I'm not looking for approval. I really want this to be helping you. 2 Peter, the first chapter, grace and peace be multiplied to you. How? In the knowledge of God grace, the power of God to do things God's way, power of God to do my marriage God's way, power of God to do my business God's way, power of God to do my money God's way, power of God to do my life God's way. The Bible says in John 1 verse 17, Jesus came in grace and truth. So grace, watch this now, grace is the power of God to do things God's way. Wow. And then peace is wholeness, wellness, and prosperity. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Anybody interested in that, by the way? So this be multiplied to you, how? Through the knowledge of God as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and excellence by which he has given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these we might become partakers of God's divine nature. That we might be like God, y'all. God wants you to be like him, but you gotta know him to be like him. He wants you to walk in the earth God-like. What happens when you're God-like? You don't need miracles, you are a miracle. So as I close, the promise-driven life is activated by growing in the knowledge of God. That's why it's important to be in the house of God. Daniel eleven thirty-two. here's what it says. The B portion of the scripture says, this is important. The B portion of the scripture, but the people who know their God shall be strong. This is the promise. If you know God, you'll be strong and carry out great exploits. So the promise is, like if I'm gonna live the promise-driven life, I'm saying, okay, God, I wanna get to know you. Now, now, let me just tell you something. How many of you honestly, you would say, I wanna know God more? Let me just see your hands, okay? That, the Bible says, Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, now, with Sheila, we've been together 542 months this month, but I wanna know her more. I wanna experience her more. So back to what I said, I can't stop doing what I did when I did what I did that got her. Otherwise, that's when I stopped knowing her. Will we do what we do as men because we want to get to know her? So we call, we text. Now back in the day, text. Where's the landline? There was not even such a name. It's just phone. Today, totally different game. Slide in the DMs, Josh. Okay. Yeah. Hey, man, I'd like to get to know you. At some point, did you tell Asia, I'd like to get to know you? I'm not trying to make this more than it is. I'm just using it as an example because I love you. But at some point, did you say, I'd like to get to know you? Yeah. And then it, was, and then it was just like, hey, this is Asia. And I was like, oh, dope. <laughs> now see, oh, oh dope. <laughs> you got some dope? Is that why you're uh, like making my beeper go off? <laughs> At some point. Every one of you that are married, y'all listen to me because y'all know this. I want to get to know you better. Watch this. If I want to get to know you better, I better put on the best version of myself. Well, girl, you knew I was like this when you married me. No, you've gotten a lot worse. No, you weren't like that. You didn't smell like that. So watch this now. For the people of God who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. I announce over you in 2022, you're going to be strong. Come on. God's going to give you the strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But my God, this is promises, shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You are going to be strong and you are going to do great exploits. If there's still breath in your body, God's got great things for you to do. Come on, y'all. This is a promise that we live in. And this is the last thing. I don't just want to live life. I want to live the promise driven life. I want to live according to this book, which is filled. One out of every four verses points to a promise of God. I want to know what the promises are. I want to claim the promises. I want to activate my faith. I want to endure, walk in obedience, do the will of God. And the promise is I'm going to inherit everything that has Keith Craft's name on it in heaven that according to Deuteronomy 28, God will open his treasure over your life, over your family, over your future. Now and forever. Come on, y'all. So, the promise-driven life, this is the last thing, is a call to glory and excellence. Whew. What's the promise? If I answer this call to glory and excellence, look at this scripture, John 14. I want you to see this. This is so powerful. Get ready. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Get ready as we close. Go to John 14, guys. Most assuredly, this is Jesus. You can take it to to the bank. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me and the works that I do, he slash she will do also. Here's the promise. And greater works than these will he or she do because I go to the Father. Next verse. Here's the promise. If you believe in me because you know me and you do my will and you persevere and you endure, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Wow. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Some people get very discouraged with this because they say, well, I asked and it didn't happen. Back up. How's your faith and how's your obedience? Well, I love God, I believe in God. No, how's your faith and how's your obedience? Have you put God first? Because that's the people who get an open heaven over their life. I, I just stopped praying because God did not answer my prayers. It's not about God not answering your prayers. You see, God's part is to give you his glory. Your part is to develop a spirit of excellence. Listen very carefully now to what I'm saying because this is the revelation. This is what most people miss. We have been called to glory and excellence. What is glory? Jesus prayed this in my book, Your Divine Fingerprint. You can do a deep dive on this if you wanna study it because this is what I talk about. Jesus prayed the most important prayer that's recorded in the Bible. John 17 is a prayer that Jesus prayed. And here's what he said in verse 22. Father, you've given me your glory. Now I give it to them. The glory of God is the 1% in your DNA. Do you know that 99% of your DNA is all the same? There's only 1% that's different in you and everybody else that's been born. The world has never seen it. Evidenced by a fingerprint that nobody's ever had to leave an imprint that nobody else can leave but you. The glory that God has given you, you have to discover it, you have to develop it, you have to deploy it. That's what my book is about, to help you understand your divine fingerprint. Pastor Sheila just told me the other day, publishers, by the way, they do whatever they want. She posted this picture that my book is going in Korea. Well, I'm glad my publisher told me I have no idea. It's been sold all over Korea. Different parts of the world. And the guy that posted it in Korean said, this is the this is the most important leadership book I've ever read in my life. Why? Because it's just a revelation of God about the glory of God that's in you that represents the 1% in your DNA that nobody else has, that you have to discover it. You have to develop it and you have to deploy it. Now watch, we've been called to the glory of God. He gives us his glory, but now this is the missing piece. We've been called by glory and excellence. What is excellence? Excellence is your part. That's what I've always appreciated about my uncle. Every time I see him, he just, to me, Uncle Ted, I've told you this, you represent excellence. The way you carry yourself, the way you care about yourself, the way you care about other people. What, what, is, what is excellence? Listen very carefully. I don't have time to go a deep dive on this, but excellence, which is your part, is you having a desire to be the best that you can be, spirit, soul, and body for God. And that by choosing to be your best, now I'm going to do my best. I'm not going to not do my best if I don't like my boss. I'm going to not do, not do my best because I don't like my job. No, I'm doing my best because whatever you do in or deed, do, all in the name of the Lord Jesus, Colossians 3, verse 17. Colossians 3, verse 23 and 24. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord, knowing it's from he you'll receive your inheritance and not men. Well, I'm not, I'm a, I'm not going to do my job. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm going to show up late. I'm going to, and, and you don't carry a spirit of excellence. See, glory is God's part, excellence is your part. So it's a desire to be the best you you can be, spirit, soul, and body, to do your best. Now watch, here's what happens. There's this corresponding or correlating effect that happens that now I can see the best in other people. Even when the worst has been displayed, why? Because I'm striving to be my best and to do my best. And because I'm striving to live my life that way, I spot people who wanna do the same thing. This is the last thing. Thank you for the so good out of thousands of people. One person said, that's so good. Thank you. I'm glad that helped you. Now, now listen. Garrett Uncleback was up here. Some of y'all see Garrett and his beautiful, cute little wife. Do you remember him telling you he loves you? Now I don't think he did it because I was watching. But you know, he, he packs. I think it's a SIG, SIG Howard, is that what it is, SIG? He carries HK. HK. It's, HK, it's right here. And I tell him, I said, when you tell everybody you love him, go, you know, I really love y'all. <laughs> he didn't do it, but, because we were joking about it. But watch this, some of you know, and some of you don't know, he was a Navy SEAL. So I asked him in the first service, I said, what was the hardest place you ever went? He said, Yemen. On his first mission, he was in an Osprey that has the, the the tilt helicopter, you know, it's a plane, but it tilts up and it can just take off like this. On his first mission, it was on Worldwide News, over 350 caliber rounds, were his first mission as a Navy SEAL, were fired into that plane. His friend on his right was hit, blew his leg off. Two other friends were hit, almost mortally wounded, immediately they began to do blood transfusions from their blood to them and they saved all three of those guys' lives. That wasn't the mission. So he walks up here and he says to you with his cute little wife, I love y'all. And oh, by the way, uh, I lead the men at this church. So when he was leaving to be a Navy SEAL, here's what I told him. I said, Garrett, this is your training. Because you're going to come back and help me raise up great men in Elevate Life Church. I said, you know why? Because the men in the church world suck. Oh, don't clap. That's women that are clapping. (laughs) They're sluggish. They don't have any endurance. They quit. They give up. And I said, I need you to help me because God has given us a unique assignment in Elevate Life Church that we are called to glory and we are called to excellence. And I need some men who are powerful, who are strong, who don't quit on their marriage, who fight the good fight, who show up, who decide they want to be a man of God. That's what I need. So he went, he became a Navy SEAL, brought that spirit back here, and let's go, Ben. Let's go. Let's go. We got a warrior night. I appreciate those of you that are standing and those of you that aren't, both of you. But we got a warrior night. Come learn what it is to lead a great marriage, to lead yourself well, to lead yourself financially. Come learn what that's about. Why? Because God doesn't need men who just take up space and who've stopped doing what they did when they did what they did. You see, Garrett up here, he says, I love y'all. And you have no idea the price that he's paid to stand on this stage, the price that he paid before he ever married that girl, the price that he paid before they ever had a baby, the price that he paid to be who he is. And until I take my last breath I'm going to fight to live in the most excellent way I can, spirit, soul, and body for the glory of God, knowing that God is for me, so who can be against me, that he is on my side. And maybe in this world where we see from the White House all the way down, weak leaders, weak men, weak women who have no moral foundation, maybe God will raise up some powerful men who can shake the foundations and bring America back and the world back to what God intended. Come on. We need strong leaders. We need strong men. We need strong women. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevatelive forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.